spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. This week has been a hard week for me. As you all know, I recently moved jobs. I'm still teaching, but I'm in a new district. Switching not only my district, but the grade level I teach as well, and all of that during COVID finally broke me on Friday. I walked to my car with tears literally streaming down my face. And if you know me, it takes a lot to make me cry over work. But Friday, I was crying. I think back to our lives in February. Here in the U.S., I was blissfully living my life, unaware that the virus would completely turn my world upside down. Today, I had to run back to my car in the rain because I forgot my mask as I was walking into work. On Friday, my tears were a combination of new fears and stresses paired with anxiety that the profession I love may never look the same, that the world we live in may never look the same. I get so many questions from my students, questions I can't answer. And that's one of the saddest parts. No, I don't know how long we'll be required to wear masks to school. No, I don't know when you'll be able to eat lunch beside your best friend. No, I don't know when I can stop taking your temperature when you walk in the door. We have listeners from all over the world. So so today, I'm asking that you send us some encouragement. Tell us that your world is slowly returning to normal. That way we can feel like we have a light at the end of the tunnel we need to be looking for. I'm so thankful that through all of this, coffee and cases has remained a constant in my life. I know it looked weird for a bit with us recording separately, and it can still look strange sometimes as we try to squeeze time into our busy schedules to record together, but at least through all this, we have our coffee and cases family. I know Allison will agree with me when I say we're thankful for all of you. One of my aunts claims that she has dreams of the future dreams of who's pregnant, what the gender of the baby is, dreams of who will get engaged, and even dreams of death. So for my family, we're used to saying things like, well, if Sandy dreamed it, it will come true, while laughing it off as coincidence that every pregnancy, every engagement, and every death she's dreamed about comes true. When my little cousin started experiencing the same thing, I started thinking, maybe it isn't coincidence after all, could things like ESP or precognition run in families? In an article titled, Is Precognition Real? Cornell University Lab releases powerful new evidence that the human mind can perceive the future. Quote, in a recent paper titled, Feeling the Future, recently accepted for publication in the prestigious Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Byrne presents some rather compelling evidence that in some cases, and with weak but highly statistical significant accuracy, many human beings can perceive the future, not just predict it based on the past. End quote. Another article called Neuroscientist Says Her Belief in Precognition is More Than Just a Hunch states, quote, While most people dismiss these precognitions as coincidences, more and more scientific evidence indicates precognition is actually a learned skill that we all may practice and hone rather than a power possessed by a few exceptional modern-day oracles. Precognition is put into two bins, depending on if you're a scientist or not, she explains. But neither of the bins is accurate. 
Non-scientists tend to put precognition, even if they think it's real, in a bend of, wow, that's weird. Whereas most scientists think that pop culture belief is the stuff that that stuff is misguided. Most don't know how rigorous these studies are. Most don't read the literature. And my least favorite are not even willing to take time to talk to someone who does research it. End quote. With articles like these, maybe what we first thought of as fantasy and passed off as comical is actually reality. And if it is reality, then is it not true to say that having ESP could be something that's hereditary? I mean, think about it. We pass on the likelihood of increased cancer risks, diabetes, mental illness. So why couldn't the ability to see the future run in families? Apparently, my family isn't the only family to pass down the ability to dream of the future. Our victim's mother often had dreams or feelings when things was going to happen, and she too passed that trait on to her daughter. When Kathy Hobbs started predicting her death, many laughed it off as her being anxious or vying for attention. But when Kathy was killed a few months after her predicted death, people began to wonder, was it a coincidence that Kathy died only three months after she thought she would? Or was Kathy seeing the future? When the movie line, I see dead people, takes on an entirely new meaning because you're the dead person you keep seeing, what do you do? This is a story of Kathy Hobbs. Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It has been two weeks since we brought up our longstanding challenge. We brought it up last week. We're bringing it up this week. But... I do want to take a moment to remind you of that challenge that we issued to you sleuth hounds a long time ago. We want to get to 150 ratings on Apple Podcasts, and we can only get there with help from you. So please help us by sharing about our podcast with at least two people. Then we'll be able to reach our goal just a little bit quicker. 
We have 135 ratings now, so we're only 15 ratings away. That 150 goal is finally in sight. If you haven't taken a second to rate our show, you still can. And if you have a few seconds longer, also leave us a few words about what you enjoy most about the podcast. We have listeners from all over the world. And this past week, we saw growing numbers still growing in Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. So while this is a big ask, we know that you can do it. When we get to 150 ratings, we'll do a bonus episode. Just make sure that you follow us on social media, Coffee and Cases Podcast on Facebook, or at Coffee Cases Podcast on Instagram, or as always, listen in each week to know when that bonus episode will air. Now, Maggie, let's get into our show. Kathy Hobbs didn't have the greatest childhood. Like so many others, Kathy's parents divorced when she was only eight. Like most children at that age, Kathy was devastated that her parents were divorcing. You see, sleuthhounds, Kathy was extremely close to her father, and the thought of not seeing him daily really bothered her. But she persevered and became stronger because of her parents' divorce. But to add to her heartbreak, Kathy's best friend actually ends up dying um, shortly after the divorce of a heart condition. Which oh my I think gosh. Very sad. Yeah, to be that young. Oh my goodness. So it's then that Kathy starts having visions. Visions that would make any parent feel uneasy or concerned. Visions that she wouldn't live past her 16th birthday. Oh my gosh. Okay, so side note. Um, My little sleuth hound. Now these aren't visions of her own life. But um, she started telling me about creepy dreams she was having oh. <laughs> about her dolls. Ooh. And, yeah. And she was like, um, she goes, mom, we have to get rid of these dolls. And I was like, uh, okay. And I was like, well, why don't we just put them in a box and we'll like put them in the attic. And she goes, no, they'll get out. It and was I was like, like one doll. Yes, it was. I know. So that's why it freaked me out. Slewtowns, in a previous episode, I shared, I think, I'm trying to remember which episode I shared it in. I can't remember. I, I feel like it might have been Pamela Ray. I don't know, though. But I had a doll that I thought was possessed by an evil spirit. But so she was like, no, they'll get out. And I was like, what are they doing? And she was like, they try to play pranks and pull my covers down. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. I said, well, if we can't put them in the attic, what if we just take them, you know, and we donate them? And she goes, no, then they'll hurt other kids. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, we have to come up with a solution. And she was like, I have an idea. And I was like, what is it? And she goes, we need a hammer. And I was like, oh my gosh. Let's burn them. That is not my child at all. And Maggie can tell you, she's like the kind of kid who's like, I'll offer her a lollipop and she's like, oh, but my friend Sarah is going to come over. So we need to make sure and save a lollipop for her. And now she's talking about hammers. So not quite a vision, but it's creepy. And when you were telling me about Kathy's visions and how it made her parents feel uneasy. I was thinking about that. <laughs> like very similar to y'all need to go back and listen to the doll story. Cause it was really creepy. Oh my goodness. 
I, sw- I will swear on a Bible. It was an evil spirit, I promise. So Kathy starts to withdraw from her friends and family, and as a result, her family decides that it's probably best if they move to Las Vegas, hoping that a new environment would be the thing Kathy needed to kind of shake the premonitions away. Okay. And it actually does work for a little while. So Kathy makes some new friends that are in her apartment complex, and they often spend their free time together hanging out, like going to, there's like a supermarket slash, I'm assuming, little shopping center near where they live, so they go there. And her mom was delighted to see her opening back up and and escaping the confines of her room. So it sounds like they thought maybe it was just depression. I don't want to say just depression. I do not mean it that way. It sounds like they thought it was depression and not premonitions or yeah, something and, like that, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I go, um, like, there's an article that kind of talks about that. Like, that's one of the things that people kind of think it was like she had, like, a sense of impending doom. Mm-hmm. And I kind of go into explaining that, like, towards the end. But, yeah, there are some people that think that. Um, so... Sadly, though, as her 16th birthday approaches in that year of 1987, she begins to retreat back into her room. I mean, which I feel like anybody kind of would if you think you're going to die. Right. So the premonitions and dreams have returned, and Kathy is thrown back into that personal nightmare that she's been struggling with. So she stops hanging out with her friends. She stops doing anything that could possibly put her in any type of harm's way because she's terrified that these nightmares that she's having is going to come true. Oh, that's so sad because, I mean, she's 16. Like, this is when she should be having fun with friends and going out and, like, all that stuff. And she's so scared that, I mean, that's, I don't know. I feel bad. Yeah, and I feel like she should be, um, like, getting her driver's license and, like, all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. she just retreating back into her room and not really doing anything. Right. But on the webpage called Hashtag Confirmed, Vivian, who's Kathy's mom, said, quote, She got very teary-eyed one night and told me, Mom, I don't want to get any older. I want to be a little girl. And I told her, Kathy, we all grow up. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but we all do it. And she told me, I'm not going to. She didn't think she'd make it to her 16th birthday, end quote. Oh, I don't know if as a mom, I would be more sad and scared or creeped out. I think I would be like, we need to go see like a professional yeah, because those aren't comments that the average person makes. Yeah, I would be like, we need to get some professional help. Now, listen, I get that I don't want to get any older. Yeah, I never wanted to grow up, ever. No, no. And so I get, like, I get that. But saying, like, I'm not going to and and the other comments, I would be concerned. Yeah, exactly. Me too. So, as her birthday gets closer and closer, I can only imagine, like, the dr- like the dread and, like, anxiety she felt. I mean, I get super anxious if I have, like, an important doctor's appointment. Or, like, mm-hmm. I got my flu shot today, and I was, like, so nervous just in the waiting area waiting to get a flu shot. So, I can only imagine if it was something that extreme. Like, I would be super anxious. Or it's, like... 
you know, if you get like surgery or childbirth, you start thinking about mortality. And I know that seems crazy, but you do. And so I I bet she was freaking out as it got closer. Yeah. Like I've never had surgery until I had, um, like the endometriosis removed Mm -hmm. and I was literally petrified that I would not wake up. Yeah. And so I can only imagine like if I had dreams that I was going to die, but you know, finally that day comes her 16th birthday and I just picture her waking up on the day that she thinks she's going to die. And like, I feel like she would be freaking out at the slightest noise. Mm -hmm. The slightest change to her norm like would be devastating. I can picture her walking through her house, like peeking around corners, waiting for somebody to grab her, but it comes and goes without the slightest incident. Kathy's sister actually reported to the article called The Strange Case of Kathy Hobbs that Kathy emerged from her room and said, quote, I made it, Mom. I made it. I'm 16. I did it. I'm alive. And I know that she must have just felt like an overwhelming sense of peace and relief to make it to that milestone. Yeah, I mean, she's saying it almost like it is some great achievement. Yeah, to live to be 16. Hmm. So after her 16th birthday party passes, she starts to reemerge from her room again. So she starts hanging out with her friends. They take late night trips to the grocery store that's down the block from their apartment complex. They spend more time together as her life returns to this new type of normal. And so all is good in Kathy's world right now. Okay. That is until July 23rd. Kathy's been 16 for approximately three months and her luck is running low. Oh, no. So that night, on the 23rd, she's reading a romance novel in her bedroom. All the time she'd spent alone had turned her into quite the reader, so her mom, Vivian, was not the least bit surprised when Kathy announces that she needs to head to the supermarket. Now, I do think it's odd that this is at 11 p.m. at night, and her mom is just like, sure, go ahead. Mm. But the store was like two blocks from their house. I still so, wouldn't. I mean, but, I wouldn't let my little sleuth hound. I mean, even when she's 16, I'm going to be like, uh. But we'll see, tomorrow. I don't know. It's You know what's crazy? I, I don't know what I'd be more scared. Actually, I'm going to backtrack. I was going to say, now kids will be like, I'm going to drive to McDonald's at 11. And you'd be like, okay. Um versus like walking somewhere but i mean we're talking in the 80s though so this is a different time period and i don't know which would be more dangerous driving at night or walking back in the 80s two blocks yeah because like i keep thinking about like all those creepy stories that you see on social media where it's like i got in my car at the dollar general today and there was a white chevy Tahoe that chased me home and tried to oh, run yeah. me off the road. Yep. Like that kind of stuff freaks me out. Me too. And like we have to leave so early. Most of the time, I know for me, Allison, I'm sure it's the same for you. It's still dark when I leave my house in the morning oh, yeah. when I drive to work. Yep. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's dark when I get home from work. Yep. So like it really, like that kind of stuff freaks me out. But mm-hmm. like my curfew was 11 p.m. when oh, I was yeah. 16. Plus, so I, um, Aren't we in Vegas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, listen. 
I would love to go to Vegas. I'd love to see all that stuff, but I don't think I'd let my 16-year-old walk a couple blocks by herself. Now, again, I don't know what Vegas is, so I don't know if it's like a little area looks like our picture of Vegas with all the lights and stuff, and then the rest of it is more like a normal neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure, and I know like some places I read, Vivian's mom said... Well, one, it's summer, so maybe her curfew's later. And Vivian's mom okay. said that she just kind of assumed she was going to go with her group of friends because she says to her mom, um, quote, Mom, I'm going to the store to buy a book before I leave or give me a kiss before I go, end quote. Okay. So Kathy's mom tells her that, you know, more than likely she's going to be awake when she gets back. Kathy says, well, I'll probably quote, well, I'll probably stop and talk to the kids, so you might be in bed when I get back, end quote. So, she, I guess, kind of just assumed that she was going to be with her friends. Okay. So, Vivian says that she gave her daughter a kiss, watched her walk out the door, and had no idea that was the last time she would see her daughter alive. Mm. So, thinking that Kathy is sound asleep in her bed, Vivian is surprised when she's jolted awake at 3 o'clock in the morning. So if you remember, block. yes, which is very late. But if you remember back in the introduction, I talked about how the ability to see the future could possibly be a trait that was passed down from yeah. her mom. Well, Vivian actually says that it's a vivid dream that tore her from her sleep. And it gets creepier. So, in the article that I just cited above, The Strange Case of Kathy Hobbs, Vivian says, quote, I felt like I had been hit on the head, and all of a sudden, I got a very peaceful feeling and thought, well, it's all over now, and I fell back asleep, end quote. So, she's, if this is a dream premonition about her daughter, then Vivian almost feels like it's happening to her, right? Because she said, I had been hit on the head, and then I thought... Yeah, it's like she's oh, experiencing it, kind of. It's symbolic of that dread that Kathy had been feeling. So, I'll wait unless you see which one okay. is correct. Okay. So, when Vivian gets up that next morning, her daughter's bed is empty. She quickly calls police, and when Kathy isn't home by the second day, police announce that she's probably been abducted. Oh, so gosh. I'm, so, not a like, runaway. Yeah, and I don't know, like, why that isn't, like, the conclusion right away. Like, what are the steps to saying, like, they've been abducted versus they've been, they are, like, a runaway? Because I know runaways, mm-hmm. if they if they ran away before, right? It, usually they say, oh, well, she just ran away again. But I never saw anywhere mm-hmm. where Kathy had ever ran away or talked about running away. So I don't know, like if two days is a long time to say she's been abducted or if that's like normal I wasn't plus sure. I feel like this I think why I'm so I guess shocked by this is because I feel like in so many of the cases where there was clearly foul play the police are always like oh it's a runaway they'll come back yeah. You know, when it's not, and then this case, it's like that wasn't even considered. It's like, oh, nope, abducted. Yeah, and there's really not, like, any evidence up to day two that would say that she was really abducted. I thought that it was just kind of, like, all the research I read, it was kind of like, 
well, day two, she's abducted. Like, and I feel else. like there's got to be something that we don't know that well, would make them jump to that conclusion. Well, honestly, like a bunch of the research, and I know we've talked about this kind of like the past couple episodes. A lot of the research that I read on this case was like the same thing, just over and over again in different mm-hmm. on different mm-hmm. locations. So right. there's there wasn't a whole lot of places that had new information, unless I just unless, missed something. I mean, maybe that's one of the pieces. You know how the police will keep like some information that they don't share with the public, mm-hmm. so that way they know if somebody is. Well, like, I will part say. I don't know. Well, I will say that some people... Okay, I will say that this is a different case because, like, if you look up Kathy Hobbs, it says that it's solved. But there are a lot of people that don't agree with... Oh! ...who they say did this to to Kathy. Okay. So... After Kathy's determined to have been abducted, her picture quickly starts circulating. It's given to the entire police department. The local media publicized her disappearance. Volunteers organize mobile search parties for her. They do grid searches of the city. So she does go missing in the city. The police were able to verify that Kathy did make it to the store and she did purchase a book at 11.17 p.m. because they interview like the lady that was working at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. So, her last known location was at Desert Inn Road in the Maryland Parkway. And at that 11.17 p.m. is really the only for sure time that we know. That's it. I wonder if that's why they said abduction, since she's right near, like, a parkway. Yeah, that's true. Because that would kind of point to, like, she did maybe get abducted. Mm-hmm. Because, th- now that you mention it, it's strange that we don't we are two days into the case when she's pronounced abducted and we don't really have anybody coming forward with information because the area is highly traveled and it has high visibility even at that late of night yet nobody comes forward with anything about seeing a girl being kidnapped off the street from a busy area hmm and I know we've talked about this before too but I feel like it's an important life lesson if you see something bad happening, don't assume, sleuthhounds, that someone else is going to do the right thing because they probably aren't. No. Nope. So you need to call the police as quickly as possible because acting fast could save somebody's life. So right. don't assume somebody else watching is going to call 911 or is going to step in because they probably are not because they're assuming the same thing you are. Mm-hmm. Do you know they say... If you're ever in an emergency situation, you should never say someone called the police. You should literally, like, look at someone and point to them and say, you, in the striped shirt, call the police. Because then that person who you've just pointed to um, feels like they have to do it versus, oh, somebody else will call. I don't need to do it. Oh, you know, that actually does, like, that's actually pretty helpful, like, a pretty piece Mm -hmm. of helpful advice, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Because I think, was it, like, I read somewhere that, like, somebody was killed in, like, a group of people, and people watched, and nobody did anything. I shared it. Yeah. I talked about it. It's a Kim Genovese case. Yep. 38 people watched it happen and didn't call the police. I just think that's extremely scary. So. I know. So, life lesson here. Call the police. 
Yes. Especially <laughs> in 2020 when we all have cell phones and right. if you're seeing something happen, you can dial 911 from your phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from that 1117 time frame, we get nothing else that is substantial in Kathy's case until nine days later. Which I feel like would feel like an eternity if you're a parent. Oh, yeah. I could not imagine it. Which, I mean, really, though, that's kind of quick. Like, in this... I mean, true. In, like, the the grand grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a hiker named Rick who's searching for rock crystals out in the desert near Lake Mead that comes forward with a statement. And it's according... This quote is according to Unsolved Mysteries. Quote, I was walking back to the car and I was probably 150 feet, 200 feet from the road and and was stopped by a very strong odor. I decided to see where it was coming from or what it was, and that's when I found Kathy's body. It was the most horrible thing I'd ever seen in my life. I had to sit down and gather my thoughts and make sure that what I was looking at was real. End quote. That's weird to me. Sit down I and sh- gather my thoughts? I mean, I guess... I feel like I would either I'd be vomiting, but like, I guess he'd maybe just so... Or call 911 right away. Maybe he's or using hyperbole. Maybe he doesn't mean he really sat down and gathered his thoughts. Maybe he's just saying. Yeah, maybe he just needs like a second to register. Like he had to take a second. Yeah. Yeah. So the investigators actually find tire prints at the scene, which show that the vehicle, a vehicle, pulled in, turned around, and left. So I feel like that's a pretty big piece of like mm-hmm. evidence right there, having tire tread marks. Mm-hmm. They also find two rocks near her body that were covered in blood. The blood was analyzed, and it was determined that the blood stains matched her blood type. So the coroner determined that she died from repeated blows to the head, but she had sadly also been sexually assaulted. Oh, no. So. Mm. And, oh, wait. Hold on. Hold up. Blows to the head. Yes, I was going to see if you caught on to that. About getting hit in the head. Yeah, when I read that, I literally had chills down my arm. Because her mom literally woke up from a dream that she felt like she was being hit in the head. And then felt peace. Like, oh my god! in my mind, that's when Kathy, like, passed on. Is the, the sense of peace that she had. Well, and especially if she's being also being assaulted, like sexually assaulted at the same time that all this is happening. Yeah. Like thankful that that's over. Yeah. So I'm wondering like if her mom like connected to Kathy on that horrible night and like experienced a piece of the horror that Kathy had to experience that night. Oh my goodness. If I'm telling you, if they figure out a timeline and it happened at 3 a.m., well, actually, is, I, isn't that what time her mom woke up? Yeah, and actually, I didn't see that they ever said like the time of death. But I mean, you would assume it would be like around I mean, that it would time after eleven seventeen, right? So, yeah, and I'm assuming it'd be pretty like quick after they've been like they abducted her. Mm-hmm. But as Kathy's family mourn the death of their 16-year-old sister, daughter, and friend gone too soon, the police are still searching for her killer or killers because they're not sure yet if it's one person or multiple people. 
Okay. But they finally are left a promising message from a potential eyewitness. And this actually okay. comes like much later but they're hoping that this could possibly be the break that they're looking for so the eyewitness describes a literal horrifying scene like it makes me never want to leave my house he said quote he grabbed this girl in the front of the store on desert in maryland this was a few months Uh, ago specific yes sorry to interrupt but yeah so he knows the exact like intersection So he Mm -hmm. says, quote, this was a few months ago. I've been out of town for a few months and I wrote this down because she was screaming. I pulled over in the car. She was a very young girl wearing a white jacket and pink pants. And the guy's name, he hollered to him, pushed her in the car. His name was Robbie, end quote. So this was a Uh, few months ago. Excuse me, sir. You're just now calling the police. down? Like, I understand you've been busy. Oh my goodness. But that phone call to police that with that message literally took 30 seconds of your life. Oh my goodness. This makes yeah. me so sad that people would not, I, I don't know, value other, well, it's just like the Kitty Genovese case. It's just yeah. like it. She was literally screaming, he's killing me. And people were like, oh, I thought it was a lover's quarrel. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. Like, she's literally disappeared from in front of a supermarket. Like, this dude couldn't take two minutes out of his life to say, hey, you need to call 911. I just saw this girl get abducted in front of your store. Yeah. If she's screaming and she gets thrown into a vehicle, I mean, I would, and I heard somebody's name. Right. I'd be like, 911, what's your emergency? Uh, yes, I just saw yeah. a crime happen. And you witnessed the whole thing, caller. And you noticed she had on a jacket and pink pants, but you didn't think to write down this car's license plate number? Oh, true. Like, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I just can't get over the fact it took him several months to call in. Like, I, I don't just know. don't get it. Oh, by the way, I wrote this down. <laughs> yeah. Didn't that happen in town, though? Didn't that happen in another case, and they did get like a partial license plate number? Yeah, but it was it was one of your cases. Yeah, and I don't remember now which one it was. They only got like three. The first few, yeah, because they hypnotized them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Yuba County Five. Yeah. So, from the eyewitness description. We can deduce that at least two people abducted Kathy because one guy is pushing her in as the other guy screams for Robbie. So while the caller was able to correctly identify the area from which Kathy was taken, why did he wait so long to call the police? And why, and why, despite pleas from the police and Kathy's family, has this man never come forward to give more details about the abduction that he clearly saw take place? Yeah, great question. It's like all those people that call, like, the America's Most Wanted, and then the police are like, please call us back, and then they never call back. Like, I don't understand. I don't either. Listen, if people can call in and vote for television shows like American Idol or things like that, why can't they call the police to report a crime to save somebody's life? I really think it's just a testament to society these days, honestly. Sad. So, all of our long-term listeners know that my brother died in a car accident when I was in high school. And I had to watch my mom struggle to make it through the day because simple things 
would remind her of my brother. Like my mom kept, so if you're from Eastern Kentucky, one of our favorite snacks is macaroni and tomato juice. So like just elbow macaroni cooked with tomato juice. And she actually made that for my brother the day that he, like it was on the stove waiting for him the day that he was in the car accident. Mm -hmm. And she Mm -hmm. kept that on our stove for weeks before she threw it away. So I can only imagine how Vivian's mom's heart or how Vivian's heart, Kathy's mom, must have shattered when only a few weeks after Kathy's death, she stumbled upon letters Kathy had left behind in regards to her own death that she'd wrote to family and friends. So the letters were only dated one month before like her birthday, so it hadn't been very long. Okay. Yeah. The one to Vivian read, quote, Dear Mother, in the event of my death, you shall get this letter. I hope you live happily, and I don't want you or anybody else to dwell on my death. I love you all very dearly. You were good to me, and nobody else could have been a better mother. Keep me alive in your heart, and don't ever forget me. Love always. Kathy, end quote. You're like, I would never forget you. I know, and like... Just this case is so haunting to me because I feel like she had, like, just trying to live day to day, feeling like you were going to die. And then, like, even from, like, her parents' standpoint, wondering if there could have been more that you could have done to act upon the stuff that she was telling you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like you did say, there are some who say that Kathy was suffering from feelings of impending doom. So, with her parents' divorce, her close friend dying from heart disease, you know, Kathy just didn't have a very happy childhood. So, is it possible she was suffering from depression and or anxiety, and that triggered these feelings of impending doom? And that's, like, one of the side effects of impending doom is feeling or believing that you're having premonitions of your own death, even when you're really not. I mean, that could be true, but at the same time, it's still creepy that it did happen, and by you know, at least two people. So it's not like she had anything to do with it. Right. So does it mean that she's suffering from poor mental health and her death just happened to be like a tragic coincidence? Like she was in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or is it really like she was predicting her death? I mean, she died at the age of 16 and three months. So I mean, she I wasn't on the yeah, I kind of feel like she saw, like, had a premonition. Legit. Well, like, I mean, we, like, we've talked, I mean, in the Diet Law Pass, I said that it was probably, like, the Yeti that killed the hiker. So, y'all right. know that I, <laughs> like, I believe in your things. So, like, I mean, I truly believe that, like, that kind of stuff exists. And, I mean, like... I do think that a lot of the times people will be like, oh, I knew that this was going to happen because like, again, and I hate to keep talking about myself, but like, I think back to like when my brother was in the military, like I always Mm -hmm. had this sense that he was going to die young. And then like when he did, I was like, this is weird. But then when I think about it, like, I feel like that fear was rational because that was like right in the heat of 9-11. So he was like, right. like going to war he was in the military so you know I think that's why I always felt like that sense of like dread mm-hmm. for him it wasn't mm-hmm. anything like you know I just had like a norm a, ra- a normal 
like childhood and was feeling it. It was, I think, related right. to something else, which I think right. some people say is what was happening with Kathy. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Unsolved Mysteries, authorities actually linked her murder to a serial killer who, guess what, had three names. Oh my gosh, always. They always do. Michael Lee Lockhart, he was from Toledo, Ohio. And it says, quote, in May 1987, Lockhart stole a blue 1986 Toyota Celica and kept it until November of 1987. Authorities believe that during this time, he abducted and murdered Kathy. Blue fibers found at the crime scene matched fibers from the stolen vehicle. Credit card receipts also placed him in Las Vegas at the time of the murder. Finally, when investigators questioned him about Kathy's death, he virtually confessed to the crime, end quote. Okay. Mm, let me tell you my skepticism. Okay. Number one, his name is not Robbie. Right. And the guy... Who had other details, the eyewitness, clearly said he heard the name Robbie. Unless maybe now, Michael was like the person driving. Could be. He, yeah, he could have had somebody there with him. But I have a feeling that serial killers don't usually work with a partner. True. Um, also, if there are blue fibers found at the crime scene, then couldn't it be from another Toyota Celica? I mean, it doesn't have to be from this one. Right. And what the heck does that mean he virtually confessed to the crime? Like, did he do it through a Zoom call? Like, (laughs) (laughs) how did he do that? I mean, and how do you, you can't, I mean, either you confess or you don't. You don't, like, practically confess. He sort of confessed. Yeah, he sort of said he did it. I mean, and I, I don't know. I feel like if you're a serial killer... You would either deny it. I feel like they either deny, you know, to the very end, mm-hmm. or they, like, tell all the details about it. Yes. You know, so I don't, I, I don't know. And he actually... I don't know if I what, believe it. Yeah, and he actually... There's a lot of people that are that do not believe that he killed her because he was already on death row. Like, in fact, the state of Nevada did not even, like try him for this case because he was already sentenced for other murders and like I think he like was executed in Texas I think I read somewhere so Mm -hmm. like a lot of people think that the confession was false I mean they think that he basically would have confessed to just about anything because he's on death row and so many people say that her case is still unsolved because they don't believe that he really killed her they just think he was maybe trying to prolong like his death sentence or just was confessing because maybe he was just obviously a mean person so right yeah I I don't think that that's that's not enough of an explanation or proof for me yeah same me neither and I really don't think that we're ever going to know the truth because I think since law law enforcement have said that it's Lockhart like I don't Mm -hmm. think they're going to continue any type of like investigation investigation yeah so, and that's it. That's the end of the Kathy case. That's really all we oh have. Oh, gosh. So, solution, but I don't believe it's a solution. Right. Or resolution, I should say. Resolution, but I don't believe it's resolution. Yeah, we'll put resolution in, like, quotation marks. Right. Kathy's last words to her mom were words of love and encouragement. Quote, I don't want you or anyone else to dwell on my death, she said. Nobody else could have been a better mother, end quote. 
Even as she worried over her own death, she thought of others. Through the nightmares and the sleepless nights, fearing the worst, she still wanted her mom to know how much she meant to her. There are times when I think we all would like to predict the future. There are moments where we all want to know what the next day will bring. But as we learn from Kathy, that ability comes with a price. To know the good is to also know the bad. To see the good is to also see the bad. Perhaps the book The Lightning Thief said it best, quote, knowing too much of your future is never a good thing, end quote. Despite Kathy's struggles with premonitions, she tried her best to live as much as she could. And I think that's the lesson Kathy would want us to learn. We need to live. Especially in these uncertain times, we need to remember that each day is a gift that we need to enjoy. Soak up the sun, dance in the rain, read by the campfire, watch the snow fall. Really live in the moments we're given. Kathy asked her mom to never forget her. And honestly, after hearing her story, I don't think any of us will. We will always remember you, Kathy. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. week.